listeners, welcome to the next session. An advice podcast for game masters seeking help with their next game session. I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns. Here we are. We're back again. Welcome to February. February. The hardest February. month to spell. It is a hard month to spell. There's too many R's. It is. There, it, it's that sneaky R sneaking its way in there because it's not February. It's February. February. <laughs> yeah. That sneaky R. It's named after a Greek god, a Roman god? That's a great question. Februs. Ah, good old Februs. The uh-huh. god of cotton candy and uh, and general refuse. And ref- cho- refuge. chalky candy hearts. Chalky candy hearts. Uh, Februs, a uh, Roman god. Oh, you'd be forgiven for thinking February was named after the Roman god Februs, but the word Februs. Now I can't say it. Now you can't I'm even say it because that's it's too many times. The word of this month comes from the Roman festival of purification called Februa, during which people were ritually washed. Well, I'm glad that we are forgiven for having thought that it was after a god. Named, and the god is Februus, but yes. Yeah. Apparently it's for washing yourself. Wash yourself. Wash, welcome to Wash Yourself Month. Should we do some questions? <laughs> yeah. I want to do some some next session help. Well, this next session help comes from Pretty Papaya 2256. Wow, a pretty papaya. It's the prettiest papaya I've ever seen. Well, at I, least of those 200, 2,256. No, I think it's the ranking. Oh, that's they're kind of low on the ranking. No, 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 that's that's high. Oh. It's, it's reversed. It's reversed. <laughs> <laughs> it's not number one. There were only 2,256. No, it's a percentage. It's it's 2,256% out of... More pretty. Yeah, than 100%. That's a, this is a very strange scale for papayas. But I'm down. It's I, the papaya how scale. How would you rank papayas and their prettiness? You know what? I, I can't imagine that I would come up with a better system. You haven't <laughs> even thought about the prettiness of papayas. I, I have not. I have no idea what they're ranked on. Shame on you. It's true. Shame on me. Shame on you. Pretty Papaya says, how do you guys keep your nerves exactly? My players have made some serious enemies, and I know this should result in an attack and possibly their deaths, and I don't want to hold back because I don't want them to feel like it doesn't matter. So how do you guys do it? For example, one of my players joined a feared pirate crew while their group was spending a week on an island for smugglers. He was told he either needs to stay on ship or agree to find them people to kidnap or merchants to attack. He took the latter, and they gave him a curse mark, allowing them to find him via the scrying spell at will. No saves necessary, they just find him. He gave them the location of a noble's daughter, thinking that'd be good enough, but the girl is in a landlocked keep with no coast in sight. So he hasn't given them any work, and they have to come for him eventually. They're a 50-man crew who sail a galleon, so I don't know how the party could fight them. How do I do this without feeling like poop? We we need a bleep button. Can you put a bleep button on there? Probably, yeah. Yeah, so that anytime I have to swear, I just bleep instead. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have one yet, but Well, they wrote a they wrote a swear word, but I'm I'm changing it to poop, so that tells you what it is. Okay. <laughs> it's poop. Here, we'll we'll do we'll do this. <laughs> That's too long. <laughs> it needs to be doot. Yeah. Well. Can I just record myself going, bleep? Yeah, I actually can do that. Bleep, bleep. (laughs) Now we have that. That's amazing. Oh, there's a bleep tone. There you go. (laughs) Well, 
I think mine's funnier, but that's oh, fine. I just replaced it. <laughs> that's fine. Okay, so you ready? Yeah. I'm going to redo it now that we have a bleep button. No, no, I'm going to do it. You're going to do it. How do I do this without feeling like... Uh? <laughs> I kind of like yours. Yours better. Bleep. Yeah. Should I do that instead? You want to go back and re-record it? Yeah. How do I do this without feeling like... Bleep. <laughs> ah. There you go. That's fun. The joyousness of creating the bleep there is important but also this question is a, a really interesting one do you need me to read it again no do you forget no no, no. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, on, I'm on it i'm on it pretty papaya um there is often a feeling as a game master that that you want to create a lot of consequences the consequences aren't just important from a perspective of like your players should learn maybe not to be horrible people in the world that you have but they're also important from the perspective of like your players should feel like they're impacting the world. Mm -hmm. um, the consequences are a, a big part of the way that like you remind them that the stuff that they're doing in the world changes the course of the plot and changes the course of the, the things that happen. Um, but you are creating a story together and that's really kind of the fundamental part of it. So you don't necessarily want any consequences that are going to impact the players to be so severe that it brings the story to an end. Um, or maybe you do, and you, that's that's how you want the story to end, which is sort of like the end of the Monty Python, the Holy Grail, that, that they just all get arrested, and that's the end of the story. Spoilers! <laughs> Although it is universally considered a terrible ending. Yes. <laughs> um, so ultimately, uh, I love this storyline. I love the idea of the there's this pirate crew that's, that's now coming after them. Um, it's very Pirates of the Caribbean. And for the gold. maybe the maybe the the secret to this is is let it be a, a fifty man crew and the the players now have to figure out what to do about that. Their teammate, the this person, um, this one player, uh, their character is gonna is gonna be killed by this fifty man crew now coming after them. And you could do it so classically too, because when the crew scries on them, you could have a black spot appear on the character's hand. Oh, so classic. Which is such a classic pirate trope of the black spot, now they're coming for you. And you can even look at, you know, you look at the um, Pirates of the Caribbean movies, and this is quite literally what happens to Jack, which is that, like, his debt is coming due. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now he has something coming after him. And, That's specifically the second movie. Yeah, and while those movies are you know, hit or miss in certain parts, that particular concept is a lot of fun um, and now sends the players on this, on this, you know, trail of like, now we either need to get away or we need to find something that can appease these pirates in a way that, that allows them to, to erase the debt. And now you can play around with all of these, all these other tropes, all these other ideas. And it doesn't have to be straight up. The pirates come and then, you know, kill the, kill the character or whatever. Um, you could have the pirates be a little forgiving. You can have them be a little bit like, like you still have one more chance to prove to us that, that you're worth more alive than you are dead. And so, you know, this is your last opportunity. After this, we, we call in every favor to, to have you killed. Mm -hmm. um, and or, that's fun. That's fun pressure for the, for the characters. Or just like in the case of Pirates of the Caribbean, you could find a loophole. Maybe they're going to kill the character, but you kill them first, right? And then resurrect them. It's not the same uh, character anymore, right? Because they've already died. They already died. You could also play around with the idea of like maybe you find someone, another group of pirates that hates this group of pirates, mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. and pit them against each other, um, or 
or you turn yourself in as a pirate and now you're in a jail cell or whatever. Now they can't get to you, but now you have another problem. (laughs) I was thinking that if you don't want the 50 man crew pirate coming after you, they're all busy. They're doing plundering. They're doing their, their jobs. They send one assassin Mm. after. So now you're dealing with one. Now, if that assassin comes back dead, then maybe they send more. Or never comes back. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you could have that escalating as well. You could you, you could do a whole host of like comic book style assassins. Oh, like One Piece. Yeah, or or you know, like like it keeps getting worse and worse. Like the first assassin they send after you is just some regular classic assassin, but like the next one is like a uh, you know, a sibling duo who are who are there to like take you out or whatever and they have their own like weird it's just Team Rocket it, it's in still disguise. Like a team Rocket, Team Rocket kind of thing. Uh, and the next one's like a giant, and and like he's been hired to to take you out. And There's a guy with guns for hands. There's a guy, yeah. <laughs> so you could do you could play up a lot of those fun tropes too. And now you're like battling for your life against all these all these over the top ridiculous assassins. And eventually, the pirates are going to come after you, and they're even worse than all these assassins that they've hired. You could also play up the idea of something like a pirate king or a pirate code. Like, how can you get out of this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what yeah, rules the do the pirates follow through, right? Playing up on your idea of the loophole kind of thing. Um, so I, I think I think this is a rich opportunity. You know, we sometimes talk about, like, um, uh, the, the silverware idea. This is a knife that your your player has handed to you as an opportunity to stab them in the back with it. It's a perfect opportunity for you to to, like, suddenly veer away from goals and suddenly provide, like, you remember that whole thing? I certainly do as the game master. Mm-hmm. I'm going to remind you that it's still out there. Now, just to touch a little bit on the first part of your question, like how do you do it? How do you keep your nerves? I have a hard time with improv, more so than Adam. Adam does an amazing job with improv, and I have a hard time with improv. And I will find myself writing myself into a corner, like or verbally writing myself into a corner in real time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what comes out of that is better gold than I could have ever come up with ahead of time. Yeah. You know, keep in mind that that the challenges that you're putting in front of the players are intended to help make uh, a wonderful story and a tapestry that they get to they get to make as a part of what they remember from the experience. And so when I have a, a circumstance where I'm like, do I really want to put this challenge in front of my players? I think will this make for a, for a fun story will this make for a fun moment that they that they get to remember that they get to keep with them um and a challenge for them to overcome stories exist with obstacles with sad moments with hard uh challenges because it makes the story interesting and yeah. also twists and turns absolutely and so you want to think about the you know this isn't about you you know, having the nerves to, to put something challenging in front of your players because they might not survive it. It is your job as a game master to make sure that you're t- helping to tell the, a good story. Um, and if a good story requires them to survive this, you should make sure they do. But ultimately, you also, it's part of your job to put ridiculous challenges in front of them and see what they do, how they have their characters react to those ridiculous challenges and ridiculous scenarios as they come up. Yeah. You have the perfect opportunity here that anytime there's a lull in your main campaign, another pirate assassin comes or the pirates finally catch up to you and suddenly you now are forced to be 
part of their pirate crew because instead they they're not going to put you to death. They're going to put you to work. Yeah, uh, chained to the mast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I think there's there's a lot of fun that could be had in kind of any direction that you want to go with this. Um, I would I would probably shy away from like they show up and kill all of you and now that's the end of it. Right, that's not fun. But but so long as you can feel like it, whatever choice you make with these pirates adds to the story, then I think it's it's just making it more fun. And you could even go so far. I've talked before on the podcast about times where you know you really pull on the heartstrings of of the players. These pirates could get in the way of the characters' storylines in a pretty major way. You know, think about what the goals are for the characters. If the pirates know those goals, they could be disrupting exactly what the players want to want to come after. You know, mm-hmm. they're trying to find the mystery figure that you know burned down their town or whatever, uh, and they have one lead, and the pirates show up and have killed that lead, basically bringing their search to an end. And they're like, "This is what you get for betraying us." Like you have. You have great opportunity to potentially make the players hate these pirates. Oh, yeah. And that is just, uh, that's gold in your hand right there. See, I was thinking of another idea that maybe they're about to be killed in another part of your campaign or their story or something. And the pirates show up and go, you can't kill them. We're going to kill them. And the pirates fight for you. Uh, I love it. Basically. Yeah. It'd be like, nah. Yeah. And then maybe they see how well you fight or whatever, and they um and they befriend you and go, oh, it's water under the bridge. What are we doing here anyway? Ah, oh, let's plunder. And they take all the plunder. <laughs> right. But you're now free from the pirates. Yeah. 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 Could be could be a hilarious outcome. I love it. Absolutely. Well, pretty papaya. I really hope that helps you. I love this pirate trope idea, and I hope that it plays out yeah. exactly as we've described. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> One of those will work. I'm excited. Um, all right. We move on to No Direction 6223. Uh, no Direction. Are you guys just putting random numbers on the end just for us? I feel like that's true. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> you could come up with, you could even just say your name is Bob. Yeah. But Bob, you know, 9,722,615. Clearly. Yeah. Or maybe there's a significance about this number. June yeah. 2nd, 2023. Oh. No direction was born. Oh. No direction? No direction. Yeah. Maybe. No direction is like the the alternate universe boy band from one direction. <laughs> it's just one guy. It's yeah. just a one man band. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> amazing. He's got all these instruments taped to him and he's like rah, 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 rah. <laughs> No direction. No direction. Uh no direction says, What can these stones be for my party? My level two party picked up three black stones from the defeated boss's pouch. I hope he's not a kangaroo. They've discovered <laughs> that they're magic, but not identified them yet. What can they be? Both helpful magic items and funny cursed items are welcome. I've described them as looking like lumps of coal, except feeling really smooth. Mm. Okay, I think we should just toss out a bunch of ideas. Uh, I like I like the idea that they are all... Um, uh, stones of like magical holding magical spells. Um, okay. So you can you can choose to activate them, but once you do, it releases the spell at whatever target you point them at. Which means that it could be a good spell, it could be a bad spell, it could be a wildly destructive spell, it could be a super high level spell, and basically they get to pick like which one of the three stones are you going to pick. Um, okay, I've got a spell. Here you go. <laughs> they are captured creatures. 
mm. that live in your pocket. And when you throw them out, you don't know which one's going to come out, but yeah. one's going to come out and fight for you. They're called. I called. <laughs> what are they called? They're called jab persons. Stone <laughs> monsters. Pouch partners. Pouch pouch pals. Pouch pals. Yep, they're my pouch pals. I mean, there's the obvious. They could be sending stones. They, they could be sending stones. They could be two sending stones that work with each other and one that goes who knows where. Yeah. So then, like, you guys get some sending stones you can work with in your party, but then you have that one that you're like, oh, I don't know where that one goes. And when you call it, somebody actually answers. Mm-hmm. Um. And you have, and they refuses to actually tell you anything about who they are. Yeah. <laughs> or hilariously, they're all sending stones, but none of them are connected to each other. So you're basically a switchboard operator. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing! Like, wait, and you have to like touch them together and to make them talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> what was this bad guy doing? <laughs> yeah. That he right. had the time. Who has the time? Yeah. They are. They're eggs. They're eggs of a creature. That he's yeah, been keeping that's... in his pouch like mama kangaroo. <laughs> and you don't know when they're going to hatch. And maybe they start getting bigger. Maybe oh, yeah. they're like little tiny pebbles. But eventually the eggs grow and grow and grow. And then you have like wormlings or something. I don't know. Oh, that'd be pretty fun. They are uh, magical detectors for powerful artifacts. Mm-hmm. Each one points the way to a different powerful artifact. But a specific one? Yeah. Okay, I like that. But you don't know what. You don't know what. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's all the Vecna stuff. Oh sure, um, yeah, the hand and eye of Vecna and the brooch, uh, brooch, the nose, Vecna's hairpiece, <laughs> Vecna's codpiece, <laughs> whatever. Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Vecna's codpiece. That's perfect. <laughs> they are. Ooh, they're translation stones. Oh, if you they hold translate one, a specific language. Yeah, if you hold one, you can understand that language. Ooh, that's pretty good. That's kind of that's kind of fun and useful. Yeah. Um they are bombs. Oh no. Uh if you throw them they blow up and it does a whole bunch of damage. That's like <laughs> I don't know why but my first thought was Mario Kart. Mm. Ooh, they're resurrection stones. Oh no. Oh damn. They bring you back to life, but only if you place all three of them around around somebody. Like one on your hand, one on your eye, one on your codpiece. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Vecna the Vecna tri- the trifecta. The Vecna trifecta. Why isn't it named this? That is a missed. That you know what? Oh my god, that's a T-shirt. Yeah. The Vecna the trifecta, Vecna. and then it's got it's got. I'm designing it in my head right. Rainier, where are you, Rainier? Yeah, the Vecna trifecta. Beware a, the Vecna trifecta. It's amazing. That's a warning sign. That's a warning sign sticker right now. I, I can picture it. Yeah, it's perfect. Trademark. <laughs> Trademarked. You hear to hear first. <laughs> what about what about the idea that like there's a bunch of other sort of powerful beings that know exactly what those stones are and want nothing to do with them? Oh yeah. You, you play them up like the cat from uh, um, from Captain Marvel. Oh, I was thinking the heart of Tefiti. Like, oh yeah. Well, maybe, but then everybody wants it. Well, no, but but um, Maui. He was like, Whoa. yeah, I don't want. He was yeah. he was scared of it. Keep that thing away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking like like. You you meet a powerful being and they they go you you go what do you know what these do and they're like you're touching them gross Ooh. oh they're like um they're like Zoidberg's pearls yeah they're like oh they're so pretty and he goes yeah you're touching I them would, I wouldn't be touching them what if they are pieces from a board game kind of like the the white lotus tile from Avatar oh yeah it like gets you into a secret society that mm-hmm. that plays this board game and yeah they're... and he's like a high ranking member so he's three of them yeah. What what if they're powerful magnets? What if they're keys to a to a to a door? 
they open like a vault door or, or a secret society door yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Rock candy. <laughs> <laughs> what if two of them are rock candy and one of them is something really horrible? <laughs> well, I was thinking like they're rock candy and they're trying to figure it out and they go to like a like a spell shop and they, they go, Hey, oh. do you do you can you tell us what these are? And the guy goes, Oh. Oh. That's a uh, that's a good year. Yeah. And they're like, what? And then he just picks one up and bites it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would like, be a good it would oh, be Oh, yeah, I haven't had off. one of these in forever. Oh, since I was a kid. Oh, this is nostalgia right here. <laughs> That's pretty good. I don't know. Those are those are a bunch of ideas. Yeah. You, you know what you could do? Have somebody, you know, if they if the players decide to bury them or throw them or lick them or eat them or whatever, wild magic table. Beanstalk. Oh, beanstalk, yes. You bury them in the ground, they build, they they make a giant magical beanstalk. That takes you to another realm. Yeah. Yes. That's good. I like that. That's good. It it's, plot, even, it's plot fodder right it, there. Well, you could like p- put it in the ground and it like creates a well. Sure. Yeah, like a or a portal. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That'd be pretty great. Yeah. I think okay. we got it. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we That's got it. That's pretty good. Um, well, thanks for the question, No Direction. Look forward to hearing which one of those you pick. Or hopefully or... that gave you some direction. Yeah, now uh, you have some direction. No yeah. direction. <laughs> and you you gave birth to arguably the greatest T-shirt we don't have yet. Yeah, the Vecna trifecta. Amazing, <laughs> trademarked. All right, let's take a quick break. And we're back. Hey, we're back. Hey, guess what? We're not robots. That's great. We're real people. <laughs> we're real people. That's what real people Welcome say. Welcome to this not AI generated podcast. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Not We haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. I mean, that would be so much easier. It would be a lot easier. It would save us so much time. Yeah. You, you can, you, I could put my entire personality and voice into AI, right? That There's no bad consequences for that. Yeah. I'm sure that'll be perfectly fine. I'm sure that you won't get replaced by a robot. So let's go to some Ask a GM. <laughs> um, so I've decided, I figured it out. Ask a GM okay. is rules and mechanics. Yeah. It's asking, did we already talk about this? I think so. Damn. <laughs> did you just decide that? Yep, I just figured it <laughs> we, out. We've, we're, we're past 100 episodes in, you've just figured out what, what the difference between Ask a GM and- Well, I was thinking about it as I was sorting the questions, and yeah. I was like, oh- this one is more rules mechanics, so that's clearly an Ask a GM. And I was like, I should say that on the podcast. Yeah. I think that you've said that before, but also I think that that is kind of what you've what you've done. That's sort of mm-hmm. the difference between the, the two. So I think you were already doing that naturally. Well, in case I haven't already clarified, rules and mechanics. <laughs> in case you're new to the podcast. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. This is Ask a GM is more sort of rules and mechanics that we talk about. Yeah. Then next session, which is help for your next session. Yeah. That's you the know. whole bit. That's that's. That's that's the bit. That's the, Welcome to the podcast. That's the meat and potatoes. The meat and potatoes of the podcast. There you go. Yep. So uh, would that mean that this is the potatoes? Uh, yeah. Or the gravy, maybe? No, that's the that's the use the spell. Yeah. Or yeah. I think meat is the next session, and potatoes is ask a GM. And I think then so. Gravy and butter and whatever. Like gravy and butter. Steak yeah. sauce. That's what we want is the steak sauce. <laughs> well, that's at the end. You have to wait a little. All right. Let's eat our potatoes. 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 That's what I was going to say. Them, 
Stick them in a stew. Stick them in a stew. Yeah. Welcome to the stew. Ask a GM. Daedra Churl. Daedra Churl. Deadra like Churl. Churl. Oh, I like Deadra better. Deadra. And maybe it's curl and the H is silent. No, I like churl. Churl. Oh, yeah. Deadra Churl. Deadra says, I want to create an encounter where the players would run into an enemy that has, as they fight it, their characters would be aged by it. Oof. Like they get older. Yeah. Um, a thought I had would be having a timer and time how long it takes to defeat it. And every 30 seconds, that character would age a year or something like that. Are there creatures that do this or other mechanics that do this? Or is there a better way to do this? Hmm. I think there are creatures that do this. I don't think there are. I think there are. That age the players? Yeah. That age the characters? Yeah. Okay. Okay, hold on. You can see if you can find one? I gotta look it up. All right. While you're looking it up, um, I have done puzzles and stuff that age the players. There's a puzzle I think might actually be in the third critical core module. Uh, there's a puzzle I used to do where as you walk down the hall, it's like sort of a long hallway with, with magical runes everywhere. And as you walk down the hallway, you get older and older. And then as you pass the midway point, you start to get younger and younger. So if, so assuming that you make it the whole way and you walk down the whole hallway, you wind up exactly where you were. But the idea behind the puzzle is that you notice that you're getting older and older and you, you, you look at the whole hallway and you say, oh my gosh, I'm going to die before I get to the to the end of the, I'm going to die of old age before I get to the end of the hallway. And so then a lot of players then back up and then you, you de-age back to your age as you back up. And now it's a puzzle of how do you get past the hallway? I think that you can play around with those mechanics. One thing that I would caution against is this is sort of one of those things that you don't want to have be like a, a permanent impact on the characters um, that the players may really, really struggle with, you know, Having your character go from from the way I envision them at their you know peak physical ability in their mid twenties and that's you know the character that I that I've been wanting to play and then having them age forty years and now they're in their mid sixties because of the end of this battle and I may really struggle with that consequence for my for my character and that's maybe okay if you can then say like oh now your character's on a quest to find the the fountain of youth or something along those lines or you just have it be like okay you you defeat this this enemy and then all the age that the enemy was taking from you now gets sent back into you and now you're you return back to your original age or something like that it's just one of those areas that you want to be a little cautious about the kind of impact that this might have for the um for the for the characters and the way the players perceive their characters it also changes based on what race they are it's totally true if you're a human and you're you're you age forty years, that's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're an elf and you age forty years, you might not even notice the difference. Okay, ghost's horrifying visage makes you age. Oh, okay, there a, you go. A banshee's wail can drop you to zero. Um, specters and wraiths do life drain, which can reduce max HP. So the mechanic for the ghost's horrifying visage or visage. It says each non-undead creature within 60 feet of the ghost that it, that can see it must succeed on a DC 13 wisdom saving throw or be frightened for one minute. If the save fa- fails by five or more, the target also ages 1d4 times 10 years. Whoa. A frightened target can repeat this saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the frightened condition on itself as a success. If the target's saving throw is successful or the effect ends for it, 
The target is immune to the ghost's horrifying visage for the next 24 hours. The aging effect can be reversed with a greater restoration spell, but only within 24 hours of it occurring. Whoa. So that's pretty brutal. Yeah, 1d4 times 10 years, you yeah. could age 40 years. Now, I can't remember whether or not, I know that there's no specific aging mechanic in 5th edition as far as it applies to you, like your stats and stuff like that. Um, in the original uh, player's handbook, but I think that they added it in into a later edition to have some kind of uh, aging mechanic or, or idea of what aging really means. Apparently the Adro Sphinx, their lair. I found the Adro Sphinx, but I'm not seeing anything about aging. The Adro Sphinx lair says one of the effects that the Adro Sphinx can use is the effects of time are altered such that every creature in the lair must d- succeed on a DC 15 constitution saving throw or become 1d 20 years older or younger, Sphinx's choice, but wow. never any younger than one year old. A greater restoration spell can re- restore a creature's age to normal. So definitely the aging mechanic exists in the game. Um, I, I can't find specifically like what the physical effects of the aging would be. Right. Um, previous editions of D&D had more um, defined roles for that. They were, they were like, if you pass this certain age, you know, it has these effects on your still Your strength decreases, but your wisdom goes up and, and kind of stuff like that. Um, so you could play that by ear. If the intent here is, is to have it be an interesting mechanic for this fight alone with the idea that, that you would now have to sort of battle against that mechanic then perhaps what the the thing is that you want to have this become is that the um the enemy has has like an aging beam or an aging attack rather than specifically like a timer for the fight especially because if the idea is every second every 30 seconds your the character ages a year you're going to start running into this discrepancy of of uh, like the elves don't care and the humans die very yeah, quickly right. um and that might become kind of a problem within the the mechanics whereas if you make it a part of an attack or something like that you can control that to some extent by changing where the enemy is making their attacks so you might be hitting the elf a lot more and causing a lot more aging or something like that um or the elf could sort of choose to to block you know, other more vulnerable members of the party um, from aging in some way. Yeah. And I think that could be like a cool opportunity for that. So apparently there is a ghost dragon that has oh. a breath weapon that would begin aging rapidly. The aging was proportional to their race's longevity. So humans might find themselves as much as a century older while elves could find themselves older by a millennium. Whoa. Ghost dragons were so thoroughly steeped in this kind of magic that even just being near one could cause a creature to age by as many as three decades instantly. That's pretty wild. So yeah, I, I think you could play around with some of the, those mechanics, but my advice would be let it let it be, you know, something that, that they were stored back to normal after they defeat the enemy or or something or, along those lines. Or use the already canon greater restoration spell. Right. Especially if you're if your characters already have access to that or or there can be a scroll of it around somewhere for someone who was planning to defeat this enemy or something like that. Um, I think that could be. Or they visit a town and, and, you know, they have to be old until they visit the town and then they can get greater restoration on themselves. Oh, man, this ghost dragon is brutal. 
So there you go. You could always mimic one of those to create the framework for what you're trying to do. That's true. And I suppose if you wanted to have something adjust stats, you could have, you know, strength and dexterity constitution decrease as you get older. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could potentially have, like, wisdom and intelligence increase, although I feel like those increase with experience, not with age. Yeah. Uh, which I would I would distinguish as two separate things. There you go. Well, Deidre, churl, I hope that helps. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a fun idea. I'm, I'd be excited to hear how that battle comes together. You're fighting Benjamin Button. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, let's move on to our to our uh, gravy portion. Ooh, let's get to the gravy. Get to the gravy. Use that spell. Ba da ba ba ba. Use that spell. Bleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I love my new bleep button. Thank you for That's my perfect. bleep button. You're very welcome for your bleep button. All right, use that spell is arms of Hadar or Hadar. Ooh. Hadar. Hadar. I, I, I always pronounce it Hadar, although I suppose it could be Hadar. I don't I, know. I, you know what? I think Hadar would be two Ds. Maybe. Yeah. Is that is that weird? In yeah. English language. The mad, the mad Hadar. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. The Arms of Hadar comes from the player's handbook. It's a first level conjuration. Casting time one action range of self, 10 foot radius. Components V and S, duration instantaneous. You evoke the power of Hadar, the dark hunger. Tendrils of dark energy erupt from you and batter all creatures within 10 feet of you. Each creature in that area must make a strength saving throw. On a failed save, a target takes 2d6 necrotic damage and can't take reactions until its next turn. On a successful save, the creature takes half damage but suffers no other effect. At higher levels, when you cast this spell, using a spell slot of second level or higher, the damage increases by 1d6 for each slot level above first. I like it. Warlock spells. Warlocks. I like Arms a good war- warlock spell. It's very tentacly. Yeah. I like the. I like that it's a strength saving throw, which is really fun. We've talked about this before, but the there's a there's a real strategy in kind of picking your spells based on the kinds of saving throws or the kinds of uh, attacks that they are, um, you know, if you're if you're targeting a spell that is an attack roll, that means that it's not going to work against somebody with a high AC. But by contrast, you know, you're you're using spells that that have a high intelligence saving throw. That means that um, they're not going to work well against like a wizard, like a, mm-hmm. like a, like somebody else like that. Whereas this, you know, having a high strength saving throw means it's not going to work well against like a fighter or a barbarian. But we're great against a wizard or a backline bowman or something like that, um, which is is always interesting to to kind of strategize about. I also like, I mean, in general, the dark energy tendrils of dark energy erupting and hitting all creatures in ten feet of you. The image so is that that kind of all around head. you. Um, yeah, it's a fun image and it's fun to utilize, and it's pretty decent damage for a first level spell. Well, what I like is that it's every creature within the ten ten feet of you. Yeah. I do like that a lot. Um, although because it's a strength saving throw, you know, the people who are, if you're a spellcaster, the people who are most likely to be within 10 feet of you are probably the meleeers who are coming right. in and, and trying to hurt you. So this is a spell where you really got to be a little bit strategic about it or you have to have a really high saving throw DC. Mm-hmm. Now, what I wish is that I wish you could have more tendrils. Like it would hit in a bigger area, maybe? Yeah, like it doesn't say you get more tendrils, but you should get more tendrils. <laughs> you should have more arms of Hadar. Yeah, I think so, too. 
or you should be able to like take arms and throw them. It's like, ah, it's the arms of Hader. They're coming after me. <laughs> That's some big arms. <laughs> it's just like a big hand coming out to try and choke you. Well, I think I think the idea is that Hadar's arms are tendrils. They're like they're like squid tendrils or whatever. All right. <laughs> well, I think it's a good one. Uh, I like this spell. I'm a fan of it. You know, one of the things about warlocks is is that warlocks don't have a lot of spell slots that they get to do um, each day, and instead their spell slots re- recharge with a short rest. And um, some spells like this are sometimes not as good to pick as, say, a spell um, that you can continue to channel every turn or or that can continue to do damage every single turn. You know, having a one-off damage is sometimes a lot of sacrifice when you have a very limited number of spell slots you can do um, for the round. Still, I still think it's a pretty pretty solid spell. Like it's still a decent pick. Yeah, it's um, a first even level. With that in mind, yeah. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. I like it. Well, if you would like to ask your own question, or if you want us to discuss a spell on the podcast, if you want us to get into greater detail about the Vecna trifecta. Uh, then then I can think of no better place for you to go than to visit our website at nextsessionpodcast.com and submit that question. You can also go to Facebook at The Next Session and Instagram at Next Session Podcast. So I'm Adam Johns. Oh, we never thanked everybody. Oh. Thanks so much for listening to Thanks. us. Hey, Thank you. We appreciate you. We appreciate, we appreciate you. New and old and increasingly aging due yeah. to uh dangerous ghost, ghost dragon breath. Oh my gosh. I want to write a ghost dragon yeah, campaign. Terrifying. Absolutely awesome. So I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns. And tune in next time and we'll help you prep for your next session. Goodbye. Bleep. <laughs>